What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, where we offer you podcasts of the supernatural and the unexplained. Get ready now for Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For over 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death, and so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. We're going to dive straight into our episode today with stories from our listeners of signs they have received from their loved ones in the afterlife. The first story you'll hear from Diane Calderon in her own words. Right now I'm living in Arizona. It's the Chino Valley area, which is north of Prescott, Arizona. My life with my husband and my family here was basically quiet. We built one home and we split our property. We built two more homes. The third home, my son by then was in the community college program for construction management. My son is Matthew. And he designed that third home and he built it. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful home. It was an investment. We sold the home to our retirement going. Eventually, we bought other homes in the Phoenix area that Matthew would move to and fix up. And that's where he was living in 2014 when he met with a tragic accident that took him out of our life, but into another world. During that period of time, my husband, who was just a remarkably intelligent man, had started to suffer from Lewy body dementia. I became the full-time caregiver for my husband as he was going through that 
process and it took a few years for him to go from mild to severe to also joining Matthew on the other side of life. Ten years ago this week, Matthew was living in Phoenix. He was uh, renovating a home that we had bought with the intent of fixing it. We would sell it. We'd buy another one. He'd been working pretty hard at that home. But here at my home, two hours away, my husband was declining. His name is Sal. Sal's dementia was becoming a big concern. I was having a lot of difficulties taking care of him. I live in a rural area. I don't have a lot of uh, close friends or neighbors or relatives. So to get out and run errands, even running to the grocery store, I had to do those without bringing Sal along with me because if I brought him to the store, he could sometimes wander off or get upset. He didn't know where he was. I relied on Matt to come up when he had days off and help me out. So 10 years ago this week, Matthew was here visiting. He was organizing a project and getting ready to file paperwork to be licensed as a contractor. So he was running around the area, downtown Prescott, meeting with friends, collecting information so that when he went back a few days later, he would get that paperwork going and take the steps to become a contractor. And while he was here, I could run to the store and take care of a couple of other errands. I had a brother that was having some health issues. I was taking him to the doctor. We found out that my brother had cancer and I arranged for him to have surgery later in January, 10 years ago. So Matthew was a big help. He went home back to Phoenix. That was the last time I saw him. We had a very nice discussion before he left and talked about some spiritual matters and religion and just some topics that we hadn't really discussed before. Matthew takes off. Two days later on a Monday, he called me and he was telling me how he had such a wonderful time over the weekend. He had visited a friend. He drove down to Phoenix to do a hike and the drive down to Phoenix was beautiful. And that day he was feeling pretty good about things. He said he would be up in a couple of days to help me because I was going to take my brother to Phoenix for his surgery. On Tuesday, Matthew called me in the morning. I'd had a particularly hard night because Sal was very restless. I didn't get much sleep. He was very, very difficult to deal with that morning. But Matthew had called and told me he was applying for a job and that he planned to be up the next day. He was going to go to a seminar that night regarding building. And he would see me the following day so that maybe I could go out in time to have lunch with somebody. So that sounded very nice. That night, I'm sitting at home with Sal. We're watching something on television and I'm getting bored. And I began to see some sparkling lights. I thought, that's very odd. These sparkling lights are just in front of my face. And I don't know why they're sparkling, but here they are. They disappeared. I looked over at Sal, they reappeared in front of Sal. They were sparkling in front of him and then they disappeared. I noticed Sal did not see the lights and I thought, okay, I guess I'm losing it too. That's not going to be good. The sparkling lights appeared again in front of me, just inches away from my face. I looked at them and wondered what in the world is going on. They drifted over to my left and then they disappeared. They led me to a book that was sitting on the coffee table next to me. And I picked up the book and looked at it and said, oh, my goodness, 
This is a book I need to show Matthew when he shows up tomorrow because we had a conversation about children being born. And before they come, I had this idea that they choose their parents. And I told Matt, I don't know where I got that idea from, but I'm pretty sure you chose me as your mom. So you're stuck with me, dude. We laughed, but it's in this book. I'm looking at it like, oh, I haven't read this in years. This is where I got that idea from. I completely forgot about these sparkling lights. Now I'm focused on this book. I'm reading it. I opened it right to the page that told me Edgar Casey had this feeling that we have some choice in who our parents are. So now I'm excited. Oh, great. Matthew will be here tomorrow. I'll show him. Next day, I get up in the morning. I head down to get the newspaper as I normally would do. And I have to drive because the mailbox is down by the highway. And some bluebirds flew along the car. And I thought, that's interesting. I don't recall seeing bluebirds in the area ever before. Where did they come from? Thinking of bluebirds, I began to have my mind wander off into a zone where I'm hearing songs like when Matthew was little singing, you know, zippity doo Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. And that was cute. Or over the rainbow where the bluebirds fly. That was on my mind as I came home. I return, I get Sal set up, I'm giving him his breakfast. He's pretty slow at it, but we're sitting at the table going, I'm going through the paper he's eating. The phone rang and it was a detective from Phoenix to tell me that my son, Matthew, had died the night before. My whole world changed immediately. Long story short, Matthew had been out that evening, had headed home, picked up his dog, and was walking the dog over to the dog park, which was just not even a block away from the house. Residential neighborhood. Matthew's crossing a street, and he gets hit by a car. Hit and run. He dies immediately. The information from the detective broke my heart. I did get a little bit of details, like the dog was okay and was at Matthew's house. And it took the police overnight to find my phone number. They got it from a neighbor. So it broke my heart and I, you know, I fell apart and I went over to tell Sal and he was so lost that when I told him our son died, that Matthew was killed in a tragic accident last night, Sal patted my head and said, oh, that's sad. I'm sorry. And that was that. So that's how Matthew died. And that was the start of my loss of Matthew and really a loss of Sal because I was losing Sal a little bit day after day after day. What carried me, though, is that evening. Now we're talking Wednesday evening, the day after Matthew had been hit. I'm sitting at the house here. I had Sal settled down. He was in bed. I was waiting for family to show up. I had two sisters who dropped everything and jumped on planes to fly out here to help me in the coming days. And as I was sitting at the table, I thought, oh my gosh, Matt, I can't believe this is happening. You were just here the other day. We just had this discussion. Do you remember, Matt? Do you remember? We were talking about how if something should happen to one of us, and I said, I'll probably die before you, but just saying here, If one of us should die, the other one has to promise to come back and give a sign. You have to give a sign. Matthew, where's my sign? And then it dawned on me, Sandra. I had that sign. That night, the night before, 
when I saw those lights, that was my sign. I had asked the detective, what time did this accident happen? He said, 7 p.m. That was the time I saw those lights. I knew then and there that that was a sign from Matthew, that he hadn't really died. He was just no longer in that body, that Matthew was over there on the other side and had sent me that sign at the moment he passed. I didn't connect the dots or the lights at the moment it happened. But 24 hours later, boom, it's hitting me. That was Matthew. That realization that my son reached out from across the veil to tell me he was fine, that everything's going to be okay, changed my whole life. It helped me get through those next two weeks of the challenge of seeing what we're supposed to do for a funeral. I hadn't had to deal with a funeral in a long, long, long time. What are we going to do? Well, we'll do a celebration of life because that's what Matthew's all about. It helped me tremendously through those first two weeks and then moving forward. Matthew coming in with that sign that he was okay led me on a journey to learn what the afterlife's about and to attend workshops and to meet people and to interact with spirit on my own terms. So it's been an amazing journey, all thanks to Matt. Diane is one strong woman, as I'm sure you can agree. We'll hear more of her story with signs and also about the passing of her husband in our next segment. But I want to do a shout out to helpingparentsheal.org. There's over 16,000 parents. There are free resources. Even if you're not a parent, you can find their YouTube channel. It's one of the few grief organizations that also believe in the afterlife. Parents call themselves a shining light parents. And when I spoke with Diane, it was the 10-year angel-versary of her son, Matt, going to the spirit world. I'm happy to report Diane went on to write her story in a book called Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day, A Mother's Story of Loss, Love, and Connecting with the Afterlife. So let's go to the break, and we'll be back with more signs from Diane Calderon. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stay right there. There's more Sandra coming right up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com Shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash shades. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. With the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. So head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's producer Tom, and you're right where you need to be. This is the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. We're going to continue with listeners' stories. This is Diane Calderon. I ask her if there's some significance with bluebirds. Yeah, the bluebird is just became a remarkable sign that reminds me of my son. Like I had mentioned earlier, the day that I had found out that he had died. Now, mind you, he had died the night before, but that morning I did not know it yet. 
And I'm driving down the road to get the paper. And those bluebirds showed up along my path was amazing to me. Really? Like, where did these bluebirds come? They're not native to my area, or at least I had never noticed them before. And here they are along my path. So I thought, that's pretty cool. And they made me think of my son and the little song, the Zippity-Doo-Dah song, and then the Over the Rainbow song. So I connected the bluebirds to that magical morning, which then turned into a tragic day when I got the news about my son's death. Yet the bluebirds felt like there was a connection. I looked into what does a spirit animal mean? What does a bluebird mean? And a lot of people think that the birds bring us signs from our people on the other side. So I decided the bluebird was the sign that Matthew would be sending me. He sent me an even more fantastic bluebird sign at Christmas. We're looking at my first Christmas after losing Matthew. It had been a hard year. Sal had gotten worse. I had made some progress, I think, on my own development and knowing that Matthew is okay. But it was still a hard morning when I got up that day. And I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, feeling pretty down. And I'm looking out the window and I'm thinking, gosh, this is my first Christmas without you, Matt. This is just so hard. I wish you were here. I wish there was something that I could connect with you on this day. And I was drawn to some noise and some movement right outside my window. There's a bush and it has these little red berries. And I noticed that on the bush, there were a bunch of bluebirds. Bluebirds were out there eating these red berries. And my astonishment was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Oh, this is wonderful, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Another movement occurred a little bit to the left of my view. And there was a blue jay sitting on a branch, not 10 feet from my window. Blue Jay is looking away and I see the Blue Jay and I said, oh, Matt, that's even better. Thank you. Thank you for that sign. And no sooner finished thinking that than the Blue Jay turned and looked at me as if to say, yeah, Ma, I got you. So the Bluebird, the Blue Jay just became a sign for me from Matthew. So the bluebird, the blue feathers, that's important. That's Matthew's sign. Another big sign is the rainbow. When Matthew called me a couple of days before this tragedy and he was telling me about his weekend, he mentioned having this beautiful drive down to Phoenix. He had left early in the morning. He was ecstatic about how wonderful nature was. The sun was beginning to rise. It was misty. It was a bit foggy. And as the sunrise came up and the rays were hitting and playing along the fog, he was seeing little rainbows. He just thought that was the greatest thing. Following his passing, I was going through photos. I have a stepdaughter who lives in Texas and she was very close to Matthew. She came to visit and she and I were putting together a photo collage for Matthew. And one of the photos was of Matthew holding a rainbow. A few years prior to his passing, we were sitting outside, a rainstorm had come by, and there was a big, beautiful rainbow. And Matthew was standing there talking to me, and I noticed the rainbow was behind him. And I had this brilliant idea, like, hey, Matt, go get my camera. He ran in and got it, came back. I said, okay, I'm going to take a picture of you. Now, I want you to hold your hands up. And I'm going to try to position it so it looks like you're holding up that rainbow. And I took these pictures. 
Well, that became the photo that Patricia and I decided would be the main theme for his presentation, for his celebration. We posted that, printed it on the little booklets that we gave everybody. A friend of his got a hold of the photo and made a great big print for me and framed it and brought it to the celebration. So Matthew holding this photo became a big theme, Matthew and the Rainbows. It's on the back cover of the book. Ever since then, Patricia gets excited when she sees a rainbow, wherever she is, she'll call me and say, oh, Matthew's around. I saw a rainbow. I have had instances where I have done sessions with people online and maybe we talk a little bit about Matthew I'll go outside and lo and behold there might be a rainbow and mind you I don't get a lot of moisture up here this is kind of desert area but somehow he'll find a way to give a rainbow so that's another big theme for him is the rainbows so I think those are probably the two biggest ones third sign that I have gotten from him which is important to me When he had died, he had a pickup truck and I had to go down and bring it to my house. When I got into the truck, there was a lot of trash in it. So I bring it home. It sits out there for a few days. I go through the truck to see what's in it. And I found that he had bought himself a journal. And in this journal, he had written on two pages. He wrote something on the very opening page where he is saying, Oh, I'm just resigned to, I'll probably never have kids, but that's okay. I'm going to enjoy my life anyway. And then on the back page, he had the name of a song and the group that sings it. I was not familiar with this group. I was not familiar with the song. And I thought it was interesting that he wrote that one thing on the back page of the journal. I figured it must mean something to him. So I get in the house, I pull up the group, I pull up the song, and it was a group called Mumford and Sons, and the song was, I Will Wait, I Will Wait for You. That became Matthew's song, I Will Wait for You. The lyrics to that song were telling me that, hey, Matthew wanted us to know that he's over there on the other side, but that's okay. He's going to be waiting for us. So as each of us, his friends, his family, those he felt so connected to on this life, as they join him over there, he's going to be waiting for everybody. I'll tell you what, that song will come on at the most interesting times. I go to lunch with a dear friend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. We're sitting in the restaurant. She mentions, well, I sure miss Matt. That song starts playing on the restaurant speakers. I go to a workshop that Suzanne Wilson did. We're sitting in the lobby. People are coming in. We're greeting them. Uh, Someone came up to me and said, oh, I'm so sorry that you had lost your son. And that song comes on. I will wait for you on the speakers in the lobby. I'll get in the car. I'll be driving somewhere. I'll think about Matt. Darn it. That song comes on. So that's another sign that I get from him. It's more of a personal one for me because I think, Those words, those lyrics, that song was meant for me to connect with him. With the passing of Matthew and caring for Sal, no, that wasn't easy. You love him and that's just a terrible disease that takes people. But when he passed, did you get signs from him? I know you say that you can feel him around sometimes and Matthew's the strong one, but were you comforted that Sal is healthy and well and young and all those good things that we can expect when we pass. All those good things. 
Yeah, let me give a little backup to before Sal passed, because it just popped into my mind as you mentioned this. Before Sal had passed, his decline was tragic. He reached a point where he really couldn't even walk anymore. I had to have somebody live with me to help move him about and take care of him because I couldn't lift him anymore. But during this period of time, as he was declining, he would relay to me little snippets of seeing Matthew. He saw Matthew with his own mother one time. Now, I had never met Sal's mom. She had died long, long time ago before I'd met Sal. But one day Sal says to me, oh, Matthew was here with my mom. I'm like, really? Yeah, they were both here together. They seem pretty happy. It's, oh, that's cool. Another time Sal says to me, oh, Matthew came and told me that he's going to be here when I die, that he's going to help me, that he's learning how to help people when they die. And he's going to help me when it's my time. Wow, that that floored me right there. It's, of course, Matthew would be there to help him. But for Sal to be clear enough for a few moments to tell me that was just remarkable. So there were bits and pieces of Sal before he passed where he was connecting with folks on the other side, his family, his brother, sometimes a friend of his. Oftentimes, Matthew was there. When Sal passed the night before he passed, there was an owl outside the window hooting before Sal passed. It just hooted and hooted. His kid, Patricia, was here, his, his daughter. And she's, what is that? Why is that happening? And I said, let's look it up. But basically, your dad's partially Native American, and they believe that the owl comes to take the soul home. So I think the owl is here for your dad. Sure enough, the next day, about 12 hours later, Sal passes away. So when he passed, he wasn't doing well. He had declined very quickly. And as he was passing, he came to long enough to say goodbye to me. He looked me in my eyes and said, I love you, and took his last breath, and he was gone. Shortly after he passed, I stepped into another room. I looked out the window, and a big hawk flew by. I knew the hawk was South Soul flying away. Following his death, and for a long time after that, Sal would connect with me through the hawk. I would often go outside. There would be the hawk sitting out in the front yard. When we did a service, it was basically a party for Sal. We planted a tree out in the yard here. We had a lot of friends and relatives come. There were hawks circling above us as we were doing the tree ceremony. So we knew that was Sal saying hello. When friends of Matthew's came to build a garage for me, the hawks were here flying over them. And my son's friends said, oh, look, there's Sal and Matt watching us. That is so cool. Again, that was Diane Calderon. And yes, those signs are cool. Diane points to terminal lucidity. When her husband Sal died, he was bright and alert and told her he loved her. And also how Sal saw Matthew and his mom before he passed. We'll head now to the break and then we'll be back with more listeners' stories. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials 
cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, producer Tom here reminding you to make sure and check out our official Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel. For many of us, YouTube is our go-to place for audio-visual media, and we here at Coast to Coast are happy to share free hour-long excerpts of Coast to Coast AM with you, our loyal fans and new listeners. Our YouTube channel offers many different Coast to Coast AM hour-long pieces of audio on numerous topics, including ufology, extraterrestrials, conspiracies, strange creatures, prophecies, and much more much more. There's even a section that includes our most popular uploads, such as many of the David Pilates shows on people disappearing in national parks. To visit or subscribe, just go to YouTube and type in Coast to Coast AM Official, or you can simply go to the coasttocoastam.com website and click on the YouTube icon at the top. It's the official Coast to Coast AM YouTube channel. You're gonna love this. Just get on over to coasttocoastam.com and start your free listening now started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. 
This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Keep it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and this episode is touching stories from listeners. I received this email from Christy, and it really touched my heart because as many people know, I'm extremely close with my dear mother. So here's what Christy has to say. Hi, Sandra. My mom and I lived together pretty much all of my life. We have a very close bond and share a deep love. She is my best friend. She is my soulmate. When she got sick, I quit my job to take care of her. She was diagnosed with severe aortic stenosis at the age of 82, and she went through a procedure called TAVR. We were thinking that that was going to be her cure, and it seemed to be for a little while, but then her symptoms returned with a vengeance about a year later. She ended up passing February 7th at the age of 84. I lost my dad back in 1999 due to pancreatic cancer, and mom lost her beloved husband. We pulled together and somehow got through it together. We both knew there was a beautiful afterlife because we'd received signs from dad. He was constantly sending us feathers. Every single time I was at the hospital with mom, I would find feathers, and that brought both mom and I a great deal of comfort. My first sign from him was when I saw him. I actually saw him sitting in our car shortly after he passed. I was leaving the library, and there he was. By the time I got to the car, he was gone. Now, with Mom's recent crossing, the signs come daily in ways I never knew possible. The very first sign I received was the night after she passed. The TV started acting up. I had never seen it do that before. I actually thought the TV was going out and I started looking online to buy another one. Then I thought, wait a second, that's mom. And when I started talking to her, the problems went away and the TV went back to normal. Four days after her crossing, I saw an orb and then another one. The two orbs started along the ceiling where she passed away here at home on our couch and they moved along the length of the wall, and then I couldn't see them anymore. A couple weeks later after her crossing, I remember going to pick up some takeout food that I had called in at a restaurant. I'm constantly talking to my mom. On this particular car ride, I was telling her how much guilt and regret I felt, telling her how sorry I was for things I should have and didn't do, and for things I shouldn't have. So I get into the restaurant, and as soon as I walk in, someone asks for Joyce. Joyce is my mom's name, and the counter person kept repeating it. Anyone here for Joyce? Joyce? I said under my breath, I am. Nobody ever came to the counter. So then I get my food, and I'm heading home, and I see a license plate 
in front of me. It read, Be Forgiven. I was so deeply touched, tears started streaming down my face. I asked, Mom, how did you do that? I am forever seeing her birth date, my birth date, my parents' wedding anniversary, on the clock, receipts, license plates. Mom had this thing with numbers when she was here in the physical. Oh, and she'll turn lights on and off. I remember this past Mother's Day. It was the first one without her here, and I went to the cemetery and left her some roses. And while I was there, I asked her to send me a song. On the drive home from the cemetery, before I even exited, the song, Black, came on by Pearl Jam. I had just gotten my first and only tattoo in her honor. It says Joyce in her handwriting on my hand. The song seemed to bring that up as well. I got home from the cemetery and all I could see is this little red bird, a cardinal. I mean, every time I go outside, in the front yard, the backyard, this cardinal followed me wherever I went. Mom passed away here at home and I was here on the couch when she crossed. I was sleeping, but I remember getting jolted awake. I rushed to her and I knew. I had a very vivid dream about her after her passing. I'll never, ever forget it. I asked her to stay. She said, I can't. I asked her if she'll be back. She said, I don't know, but my love is the sign always. It was like she was right here next to me. She looked to be in her 30s with this beautiful bright white light surrounding her. Oh, that dream brought me so much happiness. Her daily go-to sign every single day is knocking over pictures. I have pictures everywhere, but the one she knocks down the most is a picture of her holding me as a baby. Now she's got my dad doing it too. Once in a while, he'll knock over a picture of him and mom together. That's never happened before. Only since mom's passing has that been going over. I joke and tell him, you've been over there for almost 25 years. Mom hasn't been there a full year and she's already teaching you. Well, I could go on and on with the beautiful signs, but I think you get the idea. I knew there was no way I could make it without my mom. There was no way we could ever be apart, but she shows me every day we're not. Our love is never ending. Our bond is unbreakable. I soak this afterlife subject up like a sponge. I can't get enough of it. I'm forever researching, and it brings me comfort knowing, not just believing, but knowing that our loved ones do go on. Our love goes on. We go on together. I cannot wait to cross over to be with my parents again for all of eternity. But until then, I know we're together, here, there, everywhere. I made mom a cup of coffee today and just sat here talking to her. I constantly talk to her. I feel her presence everywhere. In the car, at work, the grocery store, I know she's with me. I never refer to her in the past tense, and I hate it when people do that. Some just don't get it. Oh, and just this week, the dashboard in the car showed up as low fuel. I made it home, and I told mom to bless me to get to work the next day and to the gas station at lunchtime because my direct deposit hits anywhere between 10 and 11 a.m., and the next day was payday. I check out my balance the next morning when I wake up, and the money is already in there. 
I start up the car, no low fuel gauge comes on and it appears to have more gas than it did the day before. I don't know how mom does what she does. It's truly amazing. I tell you, she never ceases to amaze me. I even told her that when she was here in the physical. I do miss her physical presence, her voice especially. I won't ever forget her hugs or the beautiful sound of her voice. She'll also make the passenger light in the car come on now and then. I tell her, Mom, you're my co-pilot, in and out of the car. I find feathers, usually gray, black, or brown. Mom also sends me pennies. I keep them all, even the receipts. Like I said, I could go on and on. It's truly incredible what they can do from over there. Thank you, Sandra, for what you do. I am blessed to have found you, and no doubt my mom led me to you. I listen to you every day. I go through your podcasts and your YouTube videos like water. I love them. I can't get enough of this topic. I know your dad is guiding you too. If you've read this all, thank you for taking the time. Most sincerely, Christy. Oh, Christy, thank you so much for sharing those words. I know it's important for everyone to know these signs are real. Slow down, pay attention, even journal them. You can ask for signs from your loved ones. And then most importantly, pay attention. Here's the next story. This one's from Karen. Hi, Sandra. I just finished listening to episode 163 and would like to share one of my after-death stories. My brother died of cancer six years ago. About a month or two after his death, both my husband and I noticed the TV in our bedroom was just randomly turning on at all hours of the day to a blue lost signal screen. So we unplugged it for a few days, took the batteries out of the remote, and checked to be sure no timer mode or controls were set. The TV continued to randomly turn on, especially at night or after I would come home after running errands. One day, I decided to talk out loud to it, and I said, if this is you, Stephen, Stephen is my brother's name, turn on the TV, because I'm coming upstairs. Well, I went upstairs, and the TV was on. I sat on my bed and began asking some yes or no questions that I knew the answer to, and the TV would go off for no and turn back on for yes. I asked if it was my brother, and it immediately turned on. I called my husband on the phone and told him what was happening, and I put him on speaker. With that, my husband said, Hi, Stephen. And all of a sudden, at the sound of my husband's voice, the TV blinked on and off quickly three times. We were stunned. No one will ever convince me that this was not my brother. Let me add this. Although he died of lung cancer, he was very debilitated from his battle with MS, and his big screen TV was his most cherished possession. He kept it on all day and all night for company as he lived alone. Sandra, I love listening to you. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Karen. Karen, you are most welcome. And to anyone listening right now, if you have a story of a reason to believe in the afterlife, 
perhaps a sign, perhaps you were with a loved one and they could see the people coming for them in the afterlife. Whatever it may be, let me know. You don't need to have a book or a podcast or anything like that. Real people telling real stories helps all of us believe the afterlife is real and that our loved ones are really around us. My email address, Sandra Champlain at gmail.com. I just ask that you give me a little time to get back to you. I feel like I've gotten a little famous lately and I get lots of emails, but I promise you I will get back to you. Coming up, more great stories from listeners. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. There's more Shades of the Afterlife coming right up. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels. A story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The four. The Art Bell Vault has classic audio waiting for you now. Go to coasttocoastam.com for details. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. 
the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take us with you anywhere. This is the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain with more stories from fellow listeners. This next story is from Trisha. She says, hi, Sandra. Thank you so much for your podcast shows. They've helped me recognize that these stories are not coincidences, that my loved ones really are nearby, and they help me transform deep-seated grief into big love. It's so easy to try to reason my way out of these experiences as mere coincidences, but it is my choice to embrace them, grow from them, and use them to improve the quality of my life and help others. In January of 2020, my mom called to let me know she wasn't feeling well and was going to the emergency room. That led to a journey of doctor's appointments and difficult health decisions. This was all compounded by the COVID lockdown in healthcare, meaning that no visitors were allowed for her six-hour surgery, her stroke, and rehabilitation. One example is that during her rehab, I'd visit her through a window, but because of her stroke, she couldn't turn her eyes or head towards me, and it was impossible to hear each other. Thankfully, during all of this, her oncologist called and recommended I bring her home for hospice care. I wish I would have been listening to your show at this point because it would have helped me understand what was happening. The first miracle. Mom lived with us three and a half weeks in hospice. She closed her eyes on a Sunday night and wasn't able to talk or communicate with us again. On Thursday, as I was driving to the post office to mail some of her estate papers, I had a very strong feeling that mom could use a strong boost of love and support so she really knew that it was okay to pass. So I pulled the car over and texted my neighbors to come over, surround the windows of the sunroom that her hospital bed was located in, and sing the song Amazing Grace to her that evening. As strong as that feeling I had in the car was, that gut feeling, I did question it because my mom was a very private person and having others surrounding her on her deathbed would not be in her comfort zone. Can you believe she passed as soon as I got home from the post office? It turns out she didn't want the company. Perhaps the feeling was for me. Mom knew she was going to pass 
and that this would become her funeral service. The neighbors surrounded the sunroom she had been staying in and sang Amazing Grace to walk her home. Miracle 1B. This miracle happened after mom's surgery. Each time we talked, she said to me, something is wrong. I can't sleep. During our last conversation before her stroke, she was very upset and said, Trisha, I need you to do me a favor. Every time I go to sleep, I keep having this dream. Please promise me that you'll do this no matter what. I had moved to her house in March from my house to help take care of her house, her animals, and help her recover from surgery when she returned. Her surgery was at the end of April. Mom's request was, I keep dreaming that the neighbors on the north side of my house and the neighbors on the south are going to have a fight. There will be guns and it will be very bad. Please pack up your stuff and the animals and go back to your house. Mom had her stroke and the animals mom and I moved to my home in May. She then passed away in early July. In August, there was a police altercation in mom's hometown. Riots broke out. People came from across the country to fight on the streets of her small town, both on the north and south side. Businesses and cars burned down, windows broken, looting, and there was national news coverage for months. This all happened within less than a mile from mom's house. Mom's dream was right. Miracle 1C, about mom's house. Years before her illness, my mom had a neighbor that made her feel uneasy. She kept saying, that guy wants my house. After she passed, I was cleaning her house, grieving, doing major repairs. It was very hard for me. My family, neighbors, and friends helped a lot, but I was at the house alone, taking carloads of stuff to Goodwill, the dump, and I needed extra muscle. So I knocked on the neighbor's door. It turns out he was an angel and helped me clean and repair the house. And as you can guess, he asked me if he could buy the house. I did sell it to him. Miracle two, months after mom passed, I got a message from my mother. Things felt very dark in those days. I felt like I was walking around in a dark shadow and nobody could help. Some people judged, saying, get over it already. I was sitting in my living room, crying, feeling grief, and I heard mom's voice in my head. Trisha. She said it like she used to say my name in high school when she was frustrated with me. Trisha, stop it. I am more than my illness. I want you to remember me like this. And then she gave me an image of the two of us going for a ride in our maroon Chevy Impala with the black seats listening to music when she was a young mom. I was just five or six years old and we were singing to the music, enjoying the sunshine, and there was joy in her heart. It was a very strong feeling and image. It was clear to me that she could feel my grief. She could feel my guilt, my perception of lost opportunities, and it had been going on for a long time. When does it end? This moment was pivotal. It was the beginning of change and the miracle keeps giving. So I put on my earbuds and went for a walk. As I was walking, I was thinking about my mom driving in the car and the music that we listened to, and I felt inspired to switch my playlist 
to the carpenters. Let me explain that mom and I would drive to my aunt and uncle's house most weekends when I was a child. It was a happy time because I got to be with my mom. She was a single mom who worked a lot of overtime to pay the bills. I also got to play with my cousins. Can you believe that the song that popped up was Karen Carpenter singing, riding in the car, listening to the radio? It was on a loop for two and a half minutes, and it played over and over again. I was amazed. Miracle 2B. Every time I would feel the grief of my loss, I'd flip my awareness to the image mom shared with me. Instead of feeling grief every time I thought of her, I would feel my joy. We could share that. There was an underlying thread of darkness left over from being mom's only child, making health decisions for her after her stroke, based on the wishes she shared when she told me her living will. It wasn't easy to make those decisions. And so I was carrying that darkness around with me. About a year after the carpenter's miracle, mom shared another vision with me. It was her and I riding in the car again. Usually the spotlight would be on her remembering how happy she was and how she wanted me to remember her. That day, the spotlight moved from her across the front seat of the car to me. She said, remember what it felt like to be you riding in the car with all of that joy in your heart. Remember yourself like this. Miracle three, a couple of weeks ago, our beloved Burmese mountain dog of 11 years got really sick and we had to put her to sleep. We had to ask ourselves, is her suffering outweighing her joy? And the answer was yes. I went for a walk the day after we put her down, experiencing moments of strong grief and tears. It had been a series of gray days and there was a small bit of sunshine at that moment peeking through the clouds. That little spark of sunshine helped me remember my mom's wish to shift how I was remembering her. I asked myself, I wonder how it feels to Stella, our dog, to feel my grief every time I think of her. So I let the grief fill me up. Then somehow I was able to take that strong grieving emotion and switch it to gratitude. I kept saying to Stella, thank you for sharing your love. Thank you for being in our family. Every time I felt the grief, the darkness, I'd let it fill me up, then flip it. I pictured her face, remembering feeling her fur, and thanked her. It was very powerful to do this every time I felt grief. On my walk the next day, I was racing the daylight, and the sun was setting, and the sun looked exactly like Stella's eye, looking at us from the floor. Here's Trisha's last miracle. My mother-in-law was a lovely person and she passed way too early for our family. She always greeted us with a smile and her big heart shining. Even the way she said your name when she said hello made you feel really happy about yourself. Her passing was very difficult for our family. It really affected our lives. I was ready for a career transition at the time, and I strongly believe she guided me to the career I'm doing now. She was very spiritual, and she recognized that in me, but I was stuck in grief and I was backsliding. Her way of communicating was much more subtle than my mom's way of communicating. It's more like she's putting things in my path. After she passed, I asked if I could have some of her books from her library. 
She had hundreds of books, and I only took one box full. It seems like the books keep multiplying. Even though I only took the one box of books, I keep finding her books all over my house. She has never been in my house, but they keep appearing, with her name in them and special highlighting and notes that she took. The other day, my husband and I were moving furniture, and sure enough, we found another book. She keeps showing up through her books and these notes in miraculous ways. All of these miracles could easily be dismissed as coincidences. Sandra, your podcasts help me recognize they are miracles. Trisha, thank you so much for sharing your mom, stepmother, and Stella. Someone told me this past week to take out the word just when we say, it was just my imagination. Our loved ones communicate through our imagination. It sounds like we're talking, but if we relive those happy memories, you may just find some signs and some messages you didn't expect. It's the end of our show. I do hope you come visit me at wedontdie.com. Check out all the good things there. I'm Sandra Champlain, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.